stepping of this man, Luke Johan. Bounce off from McNulty, and away he goes! Harry McNulty! Knight gets away, Knight, up to the 22, he won't be caught! How's it going, Doc? How's life in Hong Kong? All good. Um, just back from a training session. Uh, not much else really to report. Just working away on some, this is seven, some coaching bits during the week. Um, but I know you lads had much more interesting weeks and fun stuff on the weekend. So what did you get up to, lads? Hazza, you were at the uh, Island game, weren't you? Yes, I had a bit of a fun weekend, a um, bit of a blowout. I had a past pupils reunion on Friday night. So uh, I was 10 years out of school during COVID 2021. But the school I went to, Rockwell College, they host a reunion, not for specific years by any means. It's just anybody who went to the school. So it's quite a cool setting. Um, we were just in a hotel. There was 150 people there uh, from all different years. So I think there was people who graduated like in the 60s, 70s and things like that who come and that's like a great opportunity for them to meet up with mates they haven't seen in a long time and then the same for us. There was probably like six guys from my year but we had a full table of uh, guys who would have been within two years of each other so 2010 to the 2012 which was a really nice way to catch up and then uh, some of us went to the Fiji Ireland game in the Viewer Stadium the next day and it was a 1pm kickoff. So, big night on the Friday or some sort of night on the Friday. You're basically in the stadium before you know it because like one o'clock is so early. And then after that, went down to the pub and uh, met up with a few more guys. And who were they? Well, those lads were just mates and then stayed out for a bit longer. But then after a few hours, um, was chatting to a few of the Fijian guys and in fairness to them, they were staying quite far outside of Dublin. And I think they were staying there for uh, a reason so that they couldn't uh, get into the city too easily during the week and get distracted. But um, I just I knew a few of them from playing through the sevens and stuff and invited them down. And they came for some drinks down in Toners, which is a, a great pub in Dublin on Baggett Street there. And then... Uh, showed them the ropes of Dublin. So really great fun. Good bunch of lads. Do you know what? There was no trouble. Honestly, there was zero trouble. It was a, it was really good fun. Everyone's in good spirits. The place that we went to is a club or an establishment that I probably would never really go to. Um, but they were hosting like a 10-year birthday or anniversary of opening up. So they had like a big event on. There was a lot of people there, really good vibes. We sort of had like a little area um, because there was quite a few of us there. So took over a bit of a space and um, enjoyed the night. Yeah, it was great fun. What about you, Naive? What have you been up to? Um, well, last week I chatted about my um, filming with the Barbarians on the Wednesday where Ronan Agara was chatting about my great quads. Uh, so on Sunday, I went along to that game and I was working for the host broadcast, First Five Media, which is owned by Rupert Cox uh, series. He's on the series commentator. Uh, but yeah, basically I was given free reign 
to film behind the scenes, uh, shoot some content. So I had pretty cool access. So it was at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which is, I don't know if you've been, absolutely incredible. Just ballistic in every sense of the word. It looked amazing. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Now I'm a Spurs fan, so it was epic to be in the Spurs stadium, but everyone said how good it was and it and it lived up to expectations. But yeah, I got access. So, you know, I was there about 10 o'clock, it was two o'clock kickoff. So roaming around the sta- empty stadium, go wherever I wanted. But I was pitch side in the change rooms uh, before games. So I got to shoot the players coming off the bus in their change rooms. New Zealand didn't give us access, but that's just standard New Zealand. It was an All Blacks 15 rather than the main squad they were playing up in Scotland. But yeah, I got access to the Barbarians change room. We're at home. Um, <laughs> the change rooms are just bonkers. Like they got almost a full gym. They got this like beautiful change room, uh, like shower area. They got one of those like plunge pools. The coach's area was just bigger than most change rooms. It's unbelievable. But yeah, pitch side for that. So and then access post game. So on the pitch um, in the change room with the boys afterwards. Bit weird when they're all in their pants and you're stood there with the camera. <laughs> you love that, don't you? Uh, I was like, is this should Lads I have the pants. camera? But Reese Webb loving it. He was in his bloody budgie smugglers with the trophy. Uh, right. It was class because there's a couple of photographers in there and the boys are all wanting to get shots as a team, but some crack. And uh, I would have loved to have been on that night out with them afterwards. But yeah, Scotty Robertson didn't do any dancing though. I was a bit disappointed. He was doing a bit of a shuffle, but he didn't (laughs) didn't do any break dancing. The highlight for me was the number seven. I can't remember who it was. He's a Kiwi lad. So they put the trophy on a little stand and they'd gone round. He just rugby tackled the stand like that the trophy was on. <laughs> no. Like, put a massive dent in it and just walked off. Um, really, Oof, just so uh, random. But Marla was up to his old tricks, just being very animated on the sidelines. Come back out after getting substituted with a box of pizza. Just like he was... Uh, but yeah, great match as well. Uh, all uh, Barbarians run out winners. Zach Mercer was insane. But yeah. Pretty pretty cool to get that access and pretty cool to be in that stadium. Did you get any stash? Oh, I got some stash on the Wednesday. I didn't get any that day. Um, got a vest and a polo top. That. Oh, and uh, Scotty Robinson complimented my quads again. So, you know, just getting around. Okay, just making a bit, from... a, na- a bit of a yeah. name for yourself then. <laughs> quads on tour, lad. Best quads on the pitch, apparently. That's what, that's the rumour. That's the rumour has it. Fantastic. I mean, someone's got to have them, I suppose. This week we are, well, we'll touch on the news of Sevens in in the world of Sevens and then Doc's got some questions for us. So I'm going to dive into them. But I think first things first, uh, nominations for World Player of the Year, Sevens Player of the Year have come out. So for the men, it was old your mate, Terry Kennedy, Mick Maloof, uh, Rasaku of Fiji and Corey Toole of Australia. So thoughts on those lads? I think all uh, very well deserved. Obviously, Australia with the informed team last year, and they've gone with two of the lads who had massive contributions. Tool, very obviously, with the amount of tries he was scoring. Um, but I think Nick Malouf is just one of those players that just does so much work behind the scenes for Australia as a team. Just whether it's set piece, defence, he's still like a very good attacking threat, um, and he just leads from leads that team from the front. So I was very happy to see him in there. Obviously, everyone knows what Terry's about. He's just been on phenomenal form. 
um, the last few years, last few seasons with Ireland. Um, obviously, missing for the first couple of tournaments. Harry was chatting about potentially he's going to come in and train, and we might see him later on in the year, which would be really cool. Uh, and then Rasaku, I've never seen someone run backwards quicker than people running forwards, which has uh, happened in a few of our games while handing off two of the lads. Um, honestly, absolute. We were chatting as the boys. I reckon he is the perfect shape to play rugby. Like, it's not, he's like tall enough. His legs are massive. <laughs> he's got massive upper body. He's quick. He's got feet, hell of a handoff, hits like an absolute train. I was like, there's not many, there's not many better physiques to play rugby, uh, in my, in my opinion. Do you fancy him? A little bit. If that's not obvious. <laughs> Sounds like it. Just a little bit. Um, yeah, obviously, uh, amazing to have Terry nominated just for Irish rugby and where it's come from over the last couple of years what 2015 the program was set up so in what that's not that long of a period to to have someone nominated on the uh, world scale and have recognition from world rugby rather than just an in-house Terry's actually won uh three Pete three on the trot uh sevens player of the year but like within internet within Irish um, voting or however it's run, um, so it's great that he's gone on to go and do that. And then, yeah, it's as Luke said, there's not much more to say on those other two boys from Australia. They've just been core players for Australia last season. Um, both have very different roles, uh, but Nick is obviously a very solid performer and just really holds that team together in terms of just like a glue, just doing all the hard work and allowing all those other players to to get space and, and do what they do best on the ball. And then core tools, try scoring machine as well. So cool to see them. And then, yeah, Rosaku, I was like nearly forgot about him to an extent. Uh, I, I, did he put, like how many, did he play the entire season or just Fiji weren't involved for the entirety of the season or something? He just, he was like a flash in a pan nearly. He just unbelievable though, every time he got the ball. I think that's it. I think particularly, I think we've played Fiji quite a few times at Wales. So maybe we remember him more, but I think you are right because they missed the first couple. The probably number of tournaments you saw him him was a lot less, um, but probably just shows how big an impact he's had if he's still being nominated for uh, oh, player of the year. Crazy. 100%. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, he's just got this capability that when he makes a line break he can nearly turn his body 180 degrees and like nearly come back at you to hand you off but while going forward it's incredible and the way that he runs he runs incredibly upright as well and has this high knee drive it it doesn't look as though he should be able to make his way through tackles or scenarios that he's in but for whatever reason he's just able to nimble his way through and, and score some brilliant tries and yeah obviously it shows what an impact he's had on the season to be nominated so very cool that event's on in Monaco uh, it's taking place this weekend and usually I was talking to Billy Dardis today they just fly in the winners mm. but word on the street is they're flying everybody in this year so that mm-hmm. will be a really really big event and um should be quite interesting. It'd be very cool to be like a fly on the wall or something like that for sure. That'd be sweet. That'd be so cool. Do you know if Terry's flying over then? 
as far as I'm aware, Terry is flying over, so Terry's down in Sydney. So yeah, getting getting flown up. Uh, I think probably in the next forty-eight hours, maybe maybe on Thursday. I don't. The, the event's on, or is it on Sunday? It's on the twentieth. So yeah. probably probably forty-eight Do hours before the event. Do you reckon they'll get business class for that? I was just about to say I had a feel. I have a feeling that that could be the so. case. Yeah, I hope so fit, too. Yeah, I hope so too. I was going to say they'll have to charter a flight from Australia because they got yeah. Nick Maloof, Corey Tool, <laughs> Kerry Tennedy, and then for the women they got Charlotte Caslick, uh, Madison Levi, and Faith Nathan. So they got like seven people coming over from Sydney. Jeez, that could be a that could be a jolly up on the way up. And I think they get a plus one. Really? Really? Yeah, I think they have a plus one as well. So what's that? That's six players. Or yeah, seven. No, uh, seven, six, maybe. No, yeah, six from Australia coming from the uh, Australia. Well, Rosaka could be flown to Sydney as well. He could he could jump in there too from up from Sydney. So next thing you know, you could have like sixteen people <laughs> on the way up from Sydney. Wow, that'd be some flight. That'll be class, especially in business as well. I know Mineta won it last year. I won't ask you, Harry, but Luke, who do you think should win it this year? Oh, those four. Great question. Um, I genuinely think Terry Kennedy should win that one. Um, Four quality nominations, but for me, um, he's the lad that just really like just set the whole series alight last year for me. Um, Corey Toole, quite close behind um, in terms of the try scoring ability, but just like the sheer number, like not just like the tries Terry scores, like Harry can obviously um, attest to this as well, but he also sets up hell of a lot of tries, equally puts in some mega defensive efforts as well. So it's not just like a one trick pony. I think he was just, he's been, like I said, he's been phenomenal the last couple of years. So I th- I'd be, I'd be a bit disappointed if Terry didn't win it this out of those four there for, for my money. Team Terry it is. I'm, I'm with you there. Hopefully, you can bring it home for Ireland. Um, on the men, moving from the men to the women then. So, touching the women, uh, Charlotte Caslick, 31 tries, DHL Impact winner. Uh, Madison Levi, Rookie of the Year winner. Amy Lee Murphy-Crow, Ireland, 36 tries scored. She was top try scorer. And then uh, Faith Nathan, again, uh, Australian, 29 tries scored. Harry, do you train much with the women? Are you in the same facility? Because she's been phenomenal last year. Yes, we are in the same facility. We sort of work on an opposite schedule. So when we're on the pitch, the girls will be in the gym. And then when we're in the gym, the girls will be on the pitch. That's sort of how it works. So we sort of cross over more so within like the hallways of the facility and stuff like that. But we obviously do know all the girls and chat with them all the time and see how they go on the World Series. And Amy Lee, sort of like Terry, just for the last couple of years, has been fantastic for the team. Has scored a heck of a lot, a lot of tries, obviously, but has um, come in clutch in some really big moments. And I think both t- teams, men and women, look up to both of those players um, and hold them in really high regard and respect. Amy Lee is a really, really nice girl she's actually from tipperary so her local club is the is the club that my school used to play our senior cup games at is clam william so it's quite nice to be able to chat to amy lee every now and again and um just be like how's clam william what how's tipperary and uh one of my teachers that was in school actually knows amy lee because it's the same club and stuff so he was even asking me 
about her when I went down to Rockwell a couple months ago for when I was down there for sports day. So um, she's obviously making a, a great impact in her local community and everybody's really supporting her. And from a sevens point of view and from the IRFU point of view, it's, it's fantastic again to have another Irish player nominated for this amazing award. So um, yeah, look, it'd be great for Aaron to come home with the double. I'm not going to comment on either the men or the women um, as I'm playing, obviously, still in the in the sevens. So I think everybody that's been nominated is, 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 uh, deserves that nomination. Um, but like, yeah, obviously, it'd be it'd be great for both of them to to come home with it. I think um, there was a little article that went up across the board from all of the nominations that happened. I think there's eight Irish nominations happening this year. And I think that's the most they've ever had, which testament to the Irish program and where it's at currently. It's great. Mm. Yeah, you're going really well because you've got um, Andy Farrell nominated. You've got Mac Hansen, Josh van der Fleer, Johnny Sexton. Um, so, yeah, you're going really well. Yeah, Dan Sheehan's in there as well. Sorry. That's just... uh, yeah, but, yeah, he's uh, he's come through, isn't he? Doc, mm. any, any thoughts on the women's nominations? Obviously, Australia dominated the series this year, uh, winning four of the six events and finishing runner-up in another. How incredible uh, are those Australian contingent? Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. And um, just looking uh, at their teams kind of building up to the next tournaments in Dubai, it looks like they've held on to pretty much the same team as well. So I'm expecting a lot of the same from them this season um, and backing up the performances that they put in. Um, for me on this one, I'd say it's probably a two-horse race between um, Kazlik and Madison Levi. Just from watching the women's at the same time as the men's those who just always seem to have really big impacts again and again but not just in attack in defense um they either seem to be turning the ball over and then running it back up the pitch or making like try saving tackles or scoring like really clutch clutch tries but in like game after game after game after game um like i think you'd find a game tough to find a game gone by that um Madison Levi didn't score, have some massive impact. Um, and that's not to say the other two uh, women on that, that sh- um, in the nominations aren't right up there as well. Like this is literally picking, uh, like picking the tiniest margins between them. But I'd imagine it'd be a two horse race between um, Charlotte Kazlik and uh, Madison Levi for that one. Yeah, she's been a phenomenon on the series this year, uh, first year, just incredible athlete. And Australia had a bit of a rebuild period. Um, they struggled at the Olympics and they sort of picked themselves up. The coach um, used to coach the men, didn't it? Tim Walsh is the yeah. coach now. He used he? to coach the women, then coach the men and then went back to the women. Yeah, yeah, went back and forth. But he's done an incredible job at rebuilding them and they're a, they're an absolute force now. So, yeah, uh, I agree with you. I think I, I'd probably say Madison Levi's favourite to win that one, but... All four in the team of the year, and yeah, huge congratulations to them. Uh, before we move on, I think touch on coach of the year. Disappointing, I think, no nomination for John Manetti and his band of misfits. Um, Andy Farrell, Fabian Gaultier, Simon Middleton, Wayne Smith, all great choices, but I think John Manetti should feel hard done by there. So justice for John, I think. Agree. Uh, so actually, um, message World Rugby, because I was quite interested in around when and how, um, and they haven't replied to me yet, but potentially by the next pod, I'll uh, have an answer of how these are done, who has it say, uh, is there a long list down to a short list or whatever? So we'll see what happens there. 
Yeah, it's interesting because rugby only have like, well, there's four or five. And then you look at football and there's a huge list for like Ballon d'Or. It's to the point where it's like almost a joke that how many people are nominated. So I don't know. And I don't know how it how it works. Like, is it internally voted or, or things like that? So Actually, I saw a very interesting comment on one of the social media platforms. I won't be able to bring it up and find it to get the exact details. But the year that Ben Ryan and Fiji won the Olympics. Um, I don't think he was nominated for play- coach of the year. Yeah, that was Hugh Stark. Yeah, Starkey messaged me that because I put out a tweet saying John should feel hard done by and then Hugh, Hugh Stark, top guy. Great guy. He said that the year Fiji won it, they, uh, yeah, Ben didn't get right, nominated, which is, again, ridiculous. So I think it must play into when... Um, that like that event would have taken place. Well, that would have been Rio probably around August. Um, Manetti would have only won the World Series at the beginning of September. So if you're looking at that from a schedule point of view, it seems to fall into the exact same place. Uh, sounds, sounds a bit nuts. Like imagine someone wins the World Cup with 15s. They'd be straight on that list. So, um, or they'd make oh, yeah. it work around them. So bit of anti Simon's agenda so we might boycott the event on the weekend as the lads yeah I got oh. invite I'm not going now <laughs> yeah so maybe it just shows that Sevens is a little bit forgotten about from a coaching point of view yeah true, true uh, if if anything I think they've often got a tougher job of it at times because they're mm-hmm. well particularly from my experience anyway you, you, you're rarely given the choice of players that you want you often have to like work around some of the 15s clubs and like when people can be released and things like that then you're also playing, traveling around the world, lots of injuries, um, very like high intense competition, small mistakes really affect everything. Just man management is so massive with it while you're away for like a couple of weeks at a time, different squad members coming in and out. Um, like I think it's a crazy hard job being one of those elite coaches. And yeah, I think that's a fair point now. They probably don't get the, the respect that they deserve from world rugby anyway. Maybe they just need a category for it. Yeah, as well. Yeah, it's just in its own right. Because if you look at rugby in its own right, like sevens would have a smaller audience, I presume, from like people just watching it on TV and just everywhere it goes. So, you know, if you did nominate John and he did win it, then probably a lot of people would be like, "Who's this fella? I've never (laughs) heard of him before, or like I've never seen him. Like, what's he? What? What has he done? Um, Even though he had an incredible year and has done very well with with his team, so." Maybe that's a part of it all, and maybe it just deserves its own its own section. Yeah, like that's that's on World Rugby to get that message out there, I guess, more, isn't it? Definitely, maybe one for 2023. Right, moving on from World 7 Series to the uh, Asia Rugby 7 Series, so that, that's been going on. Round one was won by Hong Kong, who beat Japan. It was recently round two, uh, which again was won by Hong Kong beating South Korea. Now, Doc, you're out in Hong Kong. Yeah. There's been quite a lot of controversy around uh, the second round. Do you want to talk us through what's happened and uh, share a bit more information? Yeah, for sure. So uh, this is actually, we're going to jump now into the, this isn't seven. So obviously Hong Kong made it to the final. All that happened, like, um, 
between before 15th games you always listen to the national anthems if you haven't watched sevens before only the teams that get to the final get to play the national anthems and Hong Kong are lining up for the final and instead of the Chinese national anthem coming on the Korean Rugby Union decided to play one of the songs that's um, basically associated with a protest that happened here a few years ago and it's caused a bit of a riot here to be honest the, apparently the head of the Chinese Rugby Union has been on the phone straight to the Hong Kong Rugby Union there's going to be a massive investigation into it um, they've already sent out some statements here saying it's completely unacceptable they need to basically find like the culprit of it who's responsible um, and they're not going to basically stop till they find out why this has happened. So um, there's always this little bit of um, since the protest anyway, how much hold China has within Hong Kong, and it's kind of strange how this they're basically their equivalent of rugby union, uh, rugby Europe has uh, kicked off such a big scandal at the moment. Um, and yeah, so I was chatting to a few of the lads and they were, they've come back to Hong Kong completely fine, but I think they were a little bit apprehensive about coming in. Um, and yeah, it's quite interesting to see how this plays out now over the next couple of weeks, lads. Do we know who is to blame or what happened? You know? <laughs> so I read, I read a report and the report said there was a junior member from the Korean Rugby Union who's put it on by accident. Um, and I feel like one, they're just throwing blame at whoever's the ju- most junior, youngest person there. And I'm also like, I hope there's not some poor soul who is just on like a work experience day, who's just like not paying any attention, doesn't really understand, and has just like completely made a mistake. And in doing so, has caused such a big public um, reaction. Work experience kid just gets it completely <laughs> wrong. Those anthems cause so much trouble. there's been so many instances where someone's got it wrong yeah just playing crazy stuff like so ireland obviously has two different anthems they only play one when they're away but at home they'll play two takes forever yeah it does take forever (laughs) to be fair but there's one for like the national uh anthem of the republic of ireland and then you have one that was designed to represent both Ireland and Northern Ireland from a, a rugby aspect. But like I think when we were in rugby Europe, probably somewhere in Eastern Europe, I can't really remember, um, but I'm pretty sure that they just played the uh, Republic of Ireland's national anthem. So like got it wrong. Or like whenever we go to <laughs> tournaments, they always have the Irish flag uh, up on our bus or in our dressing room. But the IRFU has a has a different flag yeah. used to represent. So, like, it can easily, easily, easily go wrong. But from this instance, the fact that it's gone, you know, extremely political and someone's neck is on the chopping block by the sounds of things. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a shame because the players don't have any – It's not, it has nothing to do with the players. Yeah. 100%. They just run out and their soldier national anthem's coming on. I but hear it was the- Jeb and Groves who put the request <laughs> in. <laughs> the only second row to ever grace the World 7 Series, Jeb and Groves, is uh, causing ructions. I think there's a lot of people that we could start blaming, to be honest. Yeah. There's a few names you could pick out of a hat. Who should we get people to tweet and say, don't do that again, please? Jeb and Groves. Let's just pin it on Jeb. <laughs> 
um so i i obviously then had to go find other examples of when this happened and um i got stuck in a bit of a hole on youtube watching about 20 30 minutes of them all going wrong so i just picked some of my favorite ones there's the absolute classic in kuwait where they played the Borat version of the Kazakhstan national anthem and it's so blatantly wrong and what often happens in these videos is they'll run on after like a minute or so and be like I'm so sorry they played the whole song and didn't want to apologize for it (laughs) and then my favorite favorite one there was Australia playing Holland in hockey in Holland and the camera's just about to start doing, you know, one of those um, Champions League sweeps where they go across all the faces of the players oh yeah yeah classic classic uh, pre-game anthem time and instead of playing the aussie anthem they start playing the kiwi anthem and just these aussie players reaction to it is so funny just all like smirking like looking around like and see that would felt like that was a proper stitch up someone's done that deliberately um but yeah like i got stuck in a hole um but yeah not the first time it's happened but this seems like one of the one of the first times it could cause massive uh, political uh, outfall from it. Yeah, let's hope the uh, the lads don't come under any scrutiny or any blame for that. But yeah, the, the Kazakhstan Borat one is just so outrageously not an anthem. Doesn't he talk about being the greatest exporter of potassium? He does. And all other countries, yes. all other countries are run by little girls. Yeah. Yes. He does phenomenal phenomenal that is so that's this isn't sevens what is this is sevens this week doc cool so i've got two things for this is sevens this week so lloydie lou uh used to play for Wales sevens when it's still up and running for if you've not come across lloyd before he's also got a pretty amazing music career as well and he's just come out with a new song called kalanathraik so heart of the dragon which is in relation to the world cup style and wales football so if you haven't already go out and listen to that on spotify uh type in lloydy lua lloyd and then kalanathraik we might put it in the um description <laughs> you might have to help podcast. me with that one spelling like <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it we'll put it in the description okay um, um, it's in then, Welsh, right? Oh, completely in Welsh, which is um, yeah, why, yeah. why I like listening to it. Um, well, you can speak it, but yeah, just so that people know on the other side. But yeah, I, I gave it a bit of a, uh, a listen the other day. It's very good. I don't know what he's saying, but it is very good. Well, I've told a load of people about it as well, and Lloyd sent me a screenshot, you know, and they get like the stat breakdown, and the mm. f- top country was obviously the United Kingdom, and then the second country was Hong Kong, because I show quite, quite a lot of the Welsh lads here, and they've been listening to it. Um, so yeah, if you if you get a chance, want to listen to something new, um, expand your horizons, go and have a listen to that on Spotify. And then the second part of This Is Sevens, Harry actually sent this into the group, but uh, we've all had a very good laugh at it. Uh, and it was put back up on World Rugby Sevens. We'll try and put a link to this in the podcast description. Uh, but it's Bush Mwale off a kickoff against Spain the ball isn't quite going to go 10 and instead of what normally happens in sevens you either leave the ball um, and take the uh, take the free kick or the scrum on halfway um, he decides to run up and headbutt the ball doesn't even look like he's aiming anywhere <laughs> but as fortune has it lands perfectly one bounce into one of his teammates hands and it's one of the funniest bits of sevens that happened last year and it was his birthday this week so World Rugby reposted it so that's this is Evans this week, Bush Mwale headbutting the ball to one of his teammates of a kickoff. 
thoughts, lads? I don't know how I ever missed that. I had never seen that piece of footage before. Had you never seen that? Oh, it went everywhere. I had never and didn't know it existed. <laughs> and for that to come up, especially for his birthday, yeah. is just brilliant. Like, that's fantastic choice in terms of content. Like, oh, happy yeah. birthday. Here's you <laughs> doing something you should probably never do on a sevens field. <laughs> I love it though. Like, the ball. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Like often, sometimes World Rugby do my editing because they'll pick like the worst clips of people and like almost make them. Do you remember that one they did where they kind of like mugged Billy Dardis off with the chase back? Off. I was just uh, about to say. I hated that one so much, and I was like, like yeah, that one was horrendous. Um, uh, if you basically if you've never seen that one, is World Rugby were basically making fun of Billy? Who's he chasing back? I can't remember now. So he was chasing someone back into the corner, but he knew that he wouldn't be able to catch yeah. him in time for the try. So the guy was going to score, but instead of Billy running towards the player, he basically just ran side by side with him. <laughs> it is kind of funny, like when you think about it. Yeah. So he's just he's just putting the head down to try and make sure that the player doesn't run around and go to the post he's going to score it in the corner i think it might have been against canada but then what they did is they cut billy out of the frame and then had him like continue like running out of the stadium and kind of gave it an old run forest run oh yeah sort wasn't of content it, with it as well wasn't it the one that was like spinning and stuff like that but, <laughs> yeah they think about it now it's quite funny but at the time it was like getting mugged off or trying to work hard like exactly it's more it's more i think if if like billy had put that up himself like he's had a mm. thought he's like right i'm ready to have a laugh at myself i'll stick it up for me it's mm. like when world rugby just like bung things up on social media like i know billy probably would have laughed at that and found the funny side but you mm. never know like not everyone's gonna find that funny or people generally don't want to see themselves like getting the mick taken out of them so yeah Do you know what that the content that comes around all the time or it's like uh what, luke trahan's it, kick kick assist <laughs> no because they score a try but the ones where people go to score a try and then they like knock it yeah, on yeah like i don't know how that, like i don't know how i feel about those ones as well to be honest it always comes up it obviously gets uh great engagement i'd imagine from the public like i'd say views do go up on videos like that but I find it very difficult to watch. So they always have the same ones because obviously people don't muck up scoring a try that much. There's but that, they post the same one over and over and over again. There's that tough. lad. There's that lad for Japan, isn't he? he does the yep. massive uh, yep. ash splash and just drops it, which is in quite yep. a big game as well. Always feel for him big time. Um, yeah, the ones so. where, the ones where I don't know where I feel about. Do you know the lads who have? get tackled because they don't put the ball down straight away how do you feel about mm-hmm. those on i guess those ones aren't as bad because like some guy is obviously working really hard to like go do it and like mm-hmm. tackle someone to stop the try being scored i think semi kunintani does it in dubai and the scottish lad tackles him yeah that's what i was thinking of i guess it's just one of those things where my own heart i'm just like put the ball down yeah, just from like a rugby that's... point of view <laughs> <laughs> put it down <laughs> But my favorite one is, I think it's the Samoans. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. 15s or 7s. Yeah. They, they pass it, you know, they obviously pass it. <laughs> passes it forward. It's like so blatantly forward. The thing that I love 
the thing I loved about that, whoever's refereeing at the time, is that you can see it's coming and you can see he has the whistle at his mouth ready to go because he's like, he's going to give it to him. He's going to give it to him. And as soon as he gives it, him, I've never seen someone blow their whistle so quickly and so happily. <laughs> savage. Savage. Savage, savage, savage. Now this week, lads, it is question time. And I think you've pulled together a list of questions, Doc, for us to mull over and have a think and, and discuss. So do you want to open us up? Yeah. So the general idea around this, when we get guests on in the future, we're going to have a set questions we ask them and they have one kind of surprise question at the end so we thought why not answer the questions ourselves to begin with so we can get a um, our own answers our own input into them as well okay so the first one is uh what would you change about sevens can be anything to do with sevens who wants to go first has yeah i'll go on that one i'll take that one for a spin if i could change anything about sevens i think i would change the way that the laws are implemented to such a harsh degree yeah that's not me saying i want to change the refereeing no they obviously get given um like a checklist of things to do in a game or to look out for but the way sevens has gone is that certain aspects of the game will be specifically targeted during tournaments so in one tournament Mm. it may be different than another yeah, and that isn't really communicated through the entirety of the program through to the teams, and sometimes, like the World Cup, I'll take for instance on this one. In the World Cup, if off a kickoff, um, a team puts a pod in the air, and then a player uh, makes contact with the person in the air, it was a straight yellow card. Yeah, that had never happened before unless it was extremely dangerous. But there was a lot of instances where um, there was a lot of yellow cards given. And just sevens, when you get given a yellow card, it is so dramatic in terms of like the effect it has on on one, the team, but the overall style of the game. And especially with like Olympic qualifiers and stuff like that, I think it just, it's too important. Fair enough penalty. Like, I'm, I'm all for the penalty. The same thing with the yellow cards when it comes for knocking on the ball. Yeah. I get that you don't want people knocking on the ball, and it can be very cynical. But there has been lots of instances where someone tries to um, catch the ball, and they've sort of knocked it on forward, and then they dive for the ball to try and catch it again and, like, literally just miss it with fingertips. Mm. And then they just get a yellow card. It, I just don't see it being a yellow cardable offense. Like there should be a ground where it's like you f- couldn't have tried anything more to be able to catch that ball, but you just yeah. didn't get it. Like it's going to be a penalty. Like they do like they do it sometimes. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I'd say though with that knock on one, that rule pretty much has stayed like firm for like mm. years now that so, one has stayed like, in like, fairness like, like like that one we might not agree with it but at least like every like every player starts running straight away now like everyone knows what the crack is yeah. i think i agree with you though like they have these referees and coaches meetings before tournaments and they will have just like ran not not randomly they would have looked at where penalties or like momentum in games shifted and then they pick like 
a specific aspect to it. I remember there's one point they started trying to get us all to feed straight into the scrum. Do you remember that in one mm. of the tournaments? And I was yeah. like, that's, that's never happened. And then suddenly you were seeing penalties at every single scrum. And it just, that then ru- ruined the games. So yeah, it's yeah. a tough one. Well, like kind of the main thing for me is like just how some parts of the game are just like they're hyper um they're over critiqued yeah and then also they're sort of over penalized like a yellow card is as i said is just so strong so like i think they just need to bring it down like make it more of a penalty but like if it is very cynical then obviously it goes to a yellow card but there's always things about like welfare and speed of the game you're not speeding up a game if you're pulling guys over every time that something happens for a yellow card and then like it just makes it super drastic in terms of how teams have to like defend for like two minutes is quite a large portion of the game mm. makes things a lot harder um i just don't think it needs it doesn't need to be so harsh in certain yeah. aspects and then like and they always say like p- player welfare all those kinds of things totally get that completely agree obviously player welfare should be at the forefront but um say for the kickoff thing that happened in the world cup when has anybody actually really been hurt when they've been put up in a pod because they've got a guy underneath them holding him if you watch 1v1 kickoffs so someone kicking usually to an edge and it's one guy going against another some of the collisions and impacts that take place nuts cause people to basically lose complete control of themselves and they'll just land like on their on on their back from about six feet in the air so if you were to actually say player welfare which one is has more potential to be dangerous i actually think the 1v1s but you're not going to yell a card that it's fair game like fair play yeah. that's part of rugby so how I, come you just pick that that one instead do you know what i mean i'm the same i'm the same as you i actually think both can cause pretty nasty injuries i've come down a few times in the pod but equally being in a pod i'm not like um as like I, I wouldn't see someone clanging into a pod any differently to if I was jumping singular and clanging into a pod you're like it's full contact sport like just mm-hmm. get on with it and um, like you often see those videos with the pods as well of the lads like holding on to the lifters where they like flick back above their heads like yeah lifters at the moment are pretty strong at holding on to people um, why not let more of a competition go on in the air yeah, I think bring it just bring it down the level that everything's been officiated at in terms of its degree of yellow cards. Send him walking around. <laughs> Dirty kids. <laughs> yeah, bring it down to a penalty. We'll take a penalty. Most people will be happy with that, I think. Um, but that is no fault of the referees themselves. Obviously, it's just yeah. the areas that get looked at by the officiating panels and things like that. So Definitely food for thought there. Doc, what would you change? Um, I actually wrote a few things down, but the one I would like to see is kind of around making more revenue for the sevens. Uh, um, getting in like an IPL, so Indian Premier League style tournament for half the season i'd love to see in seven so you play for your country for say six tournaments and then the next four five or six tournaments you go into a draw or a bidding war to see which team you end up at and then for those next tournaments it would be like a um, business buy into it 
in different parts of the world and then you'd see a bit more of a mixture of teams and ideally that would just generate more revenue that could then go back to the players either like just more pay or just better perks or things like flying around business flights um and even then they should like they should give like image rights back to the players like at the moment we all or you all sign them away at the start of the year doesn't happen in any other sport really um so i'd like to see those kind of changes something that generates a bit more income and something slightly different like um uh, uh like the indian premier league did with cricket and um yeah generate more revenue for players but do you think sevens would be more world-renowned if it became a club-style game where you know you could play for any club like do you think that would be beneficial or is it just too too deep now that everybody knows it from a international point of view I, th- I think it needs to stay as an international point of view purely because some of the biggest events in sevens are things like the Olympics, Commonwealth Games, mm. um, Pan Am Games, Asian Games. Like there's it, sevens is synom- synonymous with being international, but I think there's still, if you sacrifice a few of those tournaments and turn them into this, like slightly almost different crazier businesses can buy into it you hopefully get more money you can even run the tournaments in slightly different ways i think you could still keep the essence of sevens with the international club scene keeps everybody ready for the olympics and those kind of events but then it just generates this new product that ideally would would kick off because it's something a bit different and you're getting to see players you'd never see play together different combinations there'd be a whole kind of thing around the draw and where players go to each year so i think it could be a really really cool product i don't know it's just quite interesting isn't it to think like a rejig in that regard because you would have players playing with each other that couldn't would could never play with each other in some sort of instance but then would it make every team closer in terms of competitiveness? Potentially, or yeah. Or would it, yeah. I think that would be my aim with it, is that you had, say, the same 15, 16 teams, but like, like each one of those teams could potentially win whatever tournament that you're playing in. I think that would be really cool to watch. I think it would also raise the standard of the rest of the World Series in terms of then... Like, say you are in one of the countries that's maybe a little bit lower down the table, you'll end up playing with lads at the top. Just maybe you'll pick up different tactics, tips, tricks. And ideally, then that would just slowly go back to those countries and it would just bring the whole standard up again and keep it moving forward. Do you think, on the back of that, you become a better player playing with better players or playing against better teams? Great question. Um, I think a little bit of both. There's definitely been players in my time where you've been on the same team as them and just having like, say, a week or so just to chat to them and find out how they approach things, what they're thinking in certain scenarios. And those kind of, some, sometimes those weeks, literally just having like a couple of conversations a day have had the biggest impacts on me as a player, I think. Um, equally when you play against class players you do learn a lot there but I'd probably favour playing on the same side as quality players yeah I would favour playing with better players let's say like even if it changed all the time rather than trying to grow by playing better teams because it's like 
sometimes teams are too good that you can't you can't really learn anything from it can you you're just you're just getting beaten up by the other team <laughs> there's just no chance for you to to implement anything that you might learn from seeing it on the other side whereas at least if you're playing with people like people who are better than you and you can you can learn from them and being around them and doing that all the time so I, that's I think then it would transfer over if it was a club style game with different nations if you're coming from a nation that would be growing from a rugby point of view and then you get picked and put on a team that's incredible like say there's three Fijian guys two South Africans and two Kiwis and then you've just I don't know you've come from the Philippines let's say from the Asian games that were on the other weekend you're definitely going to become a better player from that rather than Philippines playing New Zealand every weekend I agree I agree do you concur Mr. Knight <laughs> what, what would you change Knighty well on that Luke I'd like to see like a drive to survive style series follow the mm. world series I think that would be class to boost the profile and the money of the game but I'd change that when it goes to extra time you can't kick at goal gotta score a try but every two minutes or minute you gotta lose a player under 11 style rugby yeah so you drop, you drop a player every like 90 seconds or something so it could end up being like 1v1 uh, so I was just about to say, when we were younger, that's obviously what happens to a lot of kids' tournaments. And we ended up with three-on-three three until one of us, one of the team finally scored, which is crazy. Fair enough. <laughs> well, there's a, the ice hockey, NHL. Oh, they do it's that. It's a bit different, they? but yeah. it's 5v5. And then at extra time, it goes to 3v3. Now, obviously, it's different. You've got a goalkeeper and a small net, so it's not as easy to score. But... What they do is, if a yellow card is given away, or if you go to the penalty box, rather than lose a player, the other team gains a player. So, rather than going to 3v2, it goes to 4v3. So, you could do that instead. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I'm going on an NHL little line here. In the NHL, if someone goes in the penalty box, I think only for certain penalties, not all of them, if the other team scores while you're in the penalty box then your penalty's over I would like to see that go into the sevens game oh, that's quite interesting so if, you're, if you've got a two minute penalty it's called a power play the other team's on a power play so if they score during the power play then the other player comes out because you've, you've got your advantage that you've gone and you've scored I think from the sevens point of view that could potentially be something that would be worth looking at for sure Right, you want to move on to the next question, lads? Sounds good. What's the best thing you've learned during your sevens journey? Win or lose on the booze. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to elaborate any more on that, Nighty? Or? Um, just enjoy yourself, isn't it? Don't, like, enjoy yourself on the field, but enjoy yourself off the field too. Rugby careers are short. You don't know when they're going to end. You don't want to look back and be like, God, I was a bit boring. Enjoy yourself, especially with the sevens when you're interacting with different people from different countries in incredible locations. I think just get amongst it, get after it, be responsible, but enjoy yourself. Very good. I concur with that. Yeah, I also can. I concur as well, Mr. Nice. What's she always has her? Just trying to think there. I mean, I've learned quite a few things I suppose in my time um, <laughs> just have to whittle it down you know get these nominations going <laughs> so knowledgeable um, the, be like, 
I'm just trying to think if I actually have been given very strong advice, um, but nothing's coming to the top of my head at this moment in time. But I guess for me, the best thing, I suppose, yeah, like it is learning, but um, is going out there and like, I, I quite like it suits my personality, but like becoming friends with people from other, other nations yeah, and um, getting to know them and putting yourself out there in that regard. Like obviously it's different for everybody. Some people just don't like it because it's such a competitive aspect and you're, you're playing those people during the week and things like that. But for me, it breaks down any sort of doubt that I would have in terms of, like another player, you know, say you're a brand new player on the series and you're playing USA, Perry Baker. Uh, he's what men's player of the year twice in a row. Like you would just have that in your head and then like how fast he is and all these kinds of things. But you know, if you just sat down and had a chat with him or like you're next to him in the buffet and you just chat and then it's like, actually, you know what? He's just like a normal guy. Like we're all in the same boat here. We're all training. We're all trying to have fun. Like there's, a lot going on in your head and I think for me um, it, it's it's great to be able to make friends all around the world like what like you could you could basically go to any continent you could go to except for Antarctica I suppose <laughs> but you can go to any any of them right and there is a, a strong possibility that you will know someone that you could you know reach out to if you needed some help I think that's fantastic. Makes the world a smaller place, and I I really like that whole aspect of the whole thing. I like that because that's my biggest regret. I think from my time off the series is not getting to know as many teams or players. It's hard though because when you come on as a new player, you kind of got a point to prove you're unknown. Like people don't know you, and you kind of want to. Well, the way I used to play is I used to keep my head down until I earned some respect amongst teammates and opposition. So I find it quite hard as a youngster coming on to try and make those connections, especially when you've just come fresh out of uni and, you know, sure. you're across the table, you've got someone like DJ Forbes, you've got, you know, Nathan Hiranama, yeah, people yeah, yeah. like that, Phil Mack, you know, those are huge, huge names. When six months ago you were playing at Flandovery in front of 30 people and a cow, and now you're running out at Twickenham, you know? So, you know, that's, that, that's I agree, Hazza, but I found it quite hard coming in as a youngster. And- I completely understand that side of things. I think that's why I always say, like, the buffet line, like, that's the best place to have a chat. Honestly, <laughs> you're stuck in, like, a traffic jam. There's 30 lads they trying to, like... They can't get away. You can't get away. Hello. <laughs> Tap someone on the shoulder. They don't even know you're there. Well, fuck is Harry again? Jesus, <laughs> what places are me? I, I didn't feel like the meatballs. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep moving here. Yeah, yeah. actually, I'm but, not hungry anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's probably the best place. You just it, it it only takes even like thirty seconds of like who are you playing this weekend? Who's in your pool? Who do you have first? And then the next time you see them, it might be in the elevator, it might be going down the hallway, and you just say hello again. And then, you know, that's two points of contact that you've had with someone. And then you never know, you might just see them in the stadium again. Just out, And like, it's just small piece of contact. Step three, add them on LinkedIn or what's the next step? Yeah, supposedly now this is actually a great one. Uh, I think Ben O'Donnell used to call me the World Series uh, LinkedIn. 
Well, the seven's LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> just connecting with everybody. Like, <laughs> or you could do what Lloyd Edge does and just chicken scratch Liam Messam on the dance floor in Vancouver. That was funny. That was funny. Speaking of um, Lloyd Edge, Joe, and I said elaborate to you, that reminds me of, um, I think someone was just winding him up on the training pitch or like asking him about something. And um, instead of showing elaborate at uh, whoever it was he shouted abbreviate and it literally brought the whole players staff everybody just their knees laughing because he's so confident with it as well but there's abbreviate a, there's a teammate amazing man to have around you'll be in stitches laughing with him like for like every couple of minutes uh, and awesome player to top off as well so shout out to Lloyd Evans. Um, what's your what's your best thing you've learned in your sevens journey doc um, something uh, learned quite early on I think so a good bit of advice to me was around a saying of you haven't failed until you quit and um, something I've I've always tried to harp back to during lots of different times in my servants career um, probably the main thing it's tied into is within that mental toughness and what that is what it entails what it looks like for me um, and it's it's something I always come back to, particularly when there's been like tough times training preseason. Obviously, there's been times with Wales sevens where there's been like four of us training, so you've had to go to like different dark places to keep it going. But that's always been something that that stuck with me, and something I chat to all the young players I coach about. Um, just as a nice little saying, you haven't failed until you quit, and mm. the key is in that consistency. So, you there, there are tough people, but you can equally just like train toughness into you just by being consistent with those levels you push yourself to in mm. training, in games, in tournaments, and yeah, that's how I've tried to kind of live and play when I approach training and tournaments. Uh, it's probably some of the best advice I was ever given. Nice. Yeah, that's, um, that actually reminds me. A guy that used to play with, John O'Donnell. Oh, yeah. Um, his, he always had like really good like one-liners and stuff. But he always used to say, uh, next job mentality. Yeah. So same sort of line. Like, don't quit, but like next job. Okay, you've done that. Well done. But like you've got something else to be doing now. Like You just can't stop. And then I think my dad said it to me before, um, but I think he got it from his friend friend of a friend's dog's cousin or whatever you know what <laughs> no, but he always said uh <laughs> that, that, that you met in the buffet queue yeah exactly <laughs> um that don't see the whistle as the end of something but like literally it's the, the start of the next thing so like yeah. there's always like there's going to be something coming after that whistle you know so say like the ball goes into touch yes there's a whistle blown but they can still throw it quick yeah that's Things a nice like that. one yeah hmm I like that as well. Yeah, it's nice, nice saying that, Doc, and some nice sayings there, hasn't it? Yeah, that's good, Doc. I like that one, man. Um, So the next question is kind of a two-parter. So what other team, apart from your own, uh, would you like to play for? And what team would you choose to have a night out with if it's different? Start us off, Doc. So probably the team I would like to play for at the moment anyway is Australia. So uh, I just love the way the team is put together. We chatted about it a lot on the last pod, just that, that amount of dog that they have in them, never say die attitude. They also seem like a real tight bunch of players, just always like hanging around together, always having a laugh with each other. Well, that's what it looks like anyway. Um, and yeah, they, 
they enjoy a beer afterwards. But the team that I would choose to have a night out with would actually be the Kenyan lads, like we chatted about last week as well, because just great lads. Bingo. <laughs> Bingo. The, the three wise men. So, um, yeah. yeah, I'd like to play for Australia and then go out with the Kenyan. Kenyan lads go with the pride. Has a that's such a I feel like that question I'm so bad at these um, but I feel as though that question any day of the week could change but what's it, what's it today then what's it today if you ask any of my mates I think straight away they'd be like oh Harry would just say Fiji and like I would I would love to it'd be amazing but I'll change it up I'll change it up I'll change it up if you want to play, play for Fiji play for Fiji Harry don't I would, but I think another an outside. Let's go outside the box here. Let's not okay. go for okay. What Harry would say probably ninety nine percent of the time. I'd say Argentina. Yeah, good shout. You know what? They are again a really tight bunch, but they're a team that I've gotten to know better over the last like season. I didn't really know them like the first year that we were on the series. It's, obviously, there's a a language barrier there, but I think. Um, in the last year, got to know a few of them really well. And also, I think I've probably just noticed a bit more about the Argentinians and who, how they play and some of the players on the team and what they're capable mm-hmm. of doing. I just think they're one of those teams that maybe is under the radar in terms of posts that go out on social media and highlights. They do mm-hmm. a lot of really fantastic stuff, but I just don't think they get the coverage that maybe if another team did it, they might go up. So I've got yeah. like a really strong... Um, respect for the team and what they're able to do and we played them quite a few times now as well and they, they're they not too dissimilar from us in terms of how they play so that would be cool the one thing we always say about them is you just don't want to be stood with your top off next to them by the pool oh my all god team. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> rigor mortis lad yeah, that would be another benefit though playing for them just get absolutely rigged up whatever they're doing down there must be all that argentinian beef boy rigged oh it'd be hard to look past the kenyans as well to be honest with you i have had nights out with them though so should i say i'll try and say someone that i haven't had a night out with yeah maybe that might be a better one then that's gonna be hard for you though um, do you know who were good crack at the end of the season? Actually, the Japanese. They were, really? they to, when, when, uh, at the end of the season in LA, they were having a few drinks and then oh, they went yeah. up to get the Fair Play Awards. Oh, yeah. And what a laugh. The, yeah, that had was. no English. Zero <laughs> English. And he had no idea what the award meant. Yeah. And he was just going, Japan, number one. We are number one. Yes, go Japan. And the whole place just stood up and like clapped. And the fair player award is for like the team that gives away the least amount of penalties. <laughs> like <laughs> it's uh it was I think that was the biggest cheer all night at that ceremony. It was, wasn't 100%. It? And then what yeah. what even um yeah, what was it? Argentinians won an award that no one really knew what it was, and that's what um one of them said when they got up, he was like in they don't speak yeah, loads yeah. of English. He was like, oh, I don't really know what this is for, but thank you. <laughs> and yeah. I got another massive, massive cheer as well. Yeah, it was brilliant. And I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, the Instagram. It's called Shibuya Meltdown. No. Yeah, I don't know if this is like an Instagram that like, I want to be showing all the time. But it's basically, it's like uh, in Japan, they have an extremely safe culture, uh, relatively anyway. So 
um, when it comes to work, they work extremely, extremely hard and long hours. But when it comes to the weekend, they just let loose, let it all go, gone. So Shibuya meltdown, Shibuya is a district in Tokyo with all the bars or a lot of bars. People end up passing out on the street, passing out on public transportation, because I guess one, they feel safe, but two, they've been working so hard, they're wrecked, and then they just have way too many drinks. But some of the content that comes from that Instagram page is hilarious. Some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen is on that. So maybe the, maybe the Japanese team. What's it called again? It's called Shibuya Meltdown. S-H-I-B-U-Y-A. Shibuya Meltdown. There's some rogue. Rogue would be a great word. Content that pops up on that page. Love it. Right, Nighty, what about you? Um, I'd like to play with the Island Sands boys. Yeah, go on, baby. I mean, I'd say the Fijians, but I wouldn't understand them, so it'd be quite difficult. Um, a, a night out, Aussie boys. Yeah, like definitely, definitely the Aussie boys because they're, they're good crack and they're loose. Good shot there, lads. Moving on to the last question. So each week we're just going to change this up. So we're going to tell guests these other questions so they can prepare their answers. But we're just going to throw a random one at them. Doesn't even really have to be rugby related. Um, and then just get their kind of honest in the moment reaction. So for the lads, uh, the question this week is, would you rather have a mullet but no facial hair or a bald head but unreal facial hair for the rest of your life? So tough for a man who has both a mullet and a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> one's, one's coming off, basically. Basically, one's gone. I'd have mullet, no facial hair. Okay. I'm going to have to join you on that one, Nighty. I don't really want a mullet. Can I just have normal hair and no facial hair? No, you, you have to have the mullet. That's part of the question. Uh, I'd take the mullet. I think I'm going to have to jump on that on that one as well. You'd obviously go bald, wouldn't you, Doc? Or would you get your hair back? <laughs> Any chance to get it back, please? Whatever I say happens, yeah. So if I say hair comes back, yeah, like it's part. If of you the, say it yeah. three times, it's spin yeah. around really fast. If not, I got a number for the Belgravia Centre. If you want it, cheers. Thank you. I'll go for that then. I'll go mullet. Sake. <laughs> no, I go. I go bald and facial hair. It's the only okay. only combo that matters. Is that um, the last question, Doc? That is all the questions. Thank you very much, Doc. Pleasure. The question master. It's like um, the troll, the troll in uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's the average flight velocity of an unmaiden swallow. European or an African swallow? I don't know that. <laughs> what? Some film that. Some film that. Oh, my God. I love it. He's like, what's your favorite color? Orange, no, blue, and <laughs> gets like projected out. <laughs> I might have to watch that tonight. Oh, what a movie! <laughs> so many good quotes in that. So many good quotes. I think uh, next week, lads, we're gonna try and get Henry Hutchinson on, aren't we? So, fingers crossed, we can come through. That's on Harry if it doesn't. Just thanks for listening, as always. Yeah, Diokon Varo, lads, and uh, see you next week. If uh, we should tweet him. Yeah, I was going to we'll say... We'll find him, right? Yeah, if you want to um, send your own answers to the questions, just send them to Shibuya Meltdown on Instagram. <laughs> and uh, they said they'd look after the messages for us this weekend. Um, but yeah, no, tweet us. Tweet us or Instagram us at This Is Seven's Pod. We need to take this more seriously, lads. And... <laughs> 
And give us a five star rating, uh, and we will send you nothing. We will send you our respect. Luke is going to send you out. This is Seven's kit. If you give five stars, this is on Luke. He's going to have to pay for it and everything. Luke will choose one person at random to send a This Is Evans t-shirt to if you get enough five-star ratings. And just send you a running program. Yeah. Give us a second season, you get. This is very Alan Partridge, this is, lads. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, lads, pleasure. Pleasure, Dochaval. Nostar. Nostar. Solange. <laughs>